This is Transistor.fm. Hey folks, I don't believe it. We have another new sponsor this month, Alitu, A-L-I-T-U.com. I'll be telling you more about them later on in the show. How's it going? Hey, how come my camera's not showing? Oh, are you in the closet again? No, I'm out in my office. Oh, yeah. USB. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Who knows? This is all black magic. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> I think I'm good. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2018. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. And I'm drinking light-flavored grapefruit beer. <laughs> grapefruit beer? is what, uh, what are you drinking? Well, it's a Rattler. Do you guys have Rattlers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we have. Oh, yeah. Stiegel. This is uh, Tricycle from the Parallel 49 brand, which I believe is brewed right here in beautiful British Columbia. Oh, wonderful. But I hope I'm right. Where is sounds, it? Sounds refreshing. Vancouver, BC, right there on Triumph Street. So good to see you again. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, a I, week or two. I mean, we talked earlier today. Yeah. But it is actually, I, I read this really charming piece in the new yorker did you read this piece it's called the friendship that made google huge i did not read that yet okay i should do that you folks i've got it in the show notes it's the story of jeff dean and sanjay gemawat and they were basically two very early hires at google and it's just about um They've been doing pair programming their whole career together. I think they've been together, oh, I mean, since 2000 for <laughs> sure, but that's when they were at Google, but even before that. And it's just a beautiful story of a partnership. I think anybody that is nice. in a partnership, it's, it's worth reading because just seeing how they've worked together over all these years, how they kind of complete each other, it reminded me of... Just the other partnerships I've looked at in the past, like Walt Disney and Roy Disney, his brother. And I don't know, it just made me kind of feel good about partnerships and realize the beauty of partnerships. So, but uh, yeah, it's good to be with you again. Yeah. In the same day. It is late. It's 7.20 p.m. here. Yeah, it's 9.20 It's almost my bedtime. This is so late for people that need to understand. John... John needs to go to bed. <laughs> I do. Yeah, the past the past few days have been a struggle. Pretty crazy. Just, I've just been tired. Mm. Well, yeah. you you folks had a right. really big, uh, really big Black Friday weekend at we Cards did, Against yeah. Humanity. Yeah, that was a big deal. That went pretty well, although a couple of hiccups, but it went all right. It was fun. Now, I I I, I tried to. It's always amazing to me when I see. Like you had told me that this was coming. Do you want to explain to folks quick what what had happened? Like what the the holiday promotion was? Yeah. The, so yeah, Cards Against Humanity generally does a holiday promotion um, on Black Friday, sort of an anti Black Friday thing. Yeah. But it's always fun and funny, and they 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 do some cool stuff. So this year they uh, redirected the main website to the nine or was it Cards Against Humanity's ninety nine percent off sale? Yeah. Which was a website. Um, that sold 
starting at 10 in the morning central time started selling um a different product every 10 minutes until it sold out and a lot of the products only had one item for sale some had you know a handful some had a, a couple hundred yeah there was like an egyptian mummy or something at one point uh or... no it was a it was a um <laughs> like a statue or something a, a life-size statue of a uh, egyptian i forget what it was <laughs> yeah we sold we sold a car for a hundred dollars like a ford fiesta <laughs> a trip to An- antarctica and like I saw a diamond ring on there. Yeah, there was an engagement ring. There was... Uh, I saw a really old arcade game. Yes. And I was like, uh, I should bid, I should like try to get it. But then I was like, do I really want that? <laughs> what if they actually send that to me? It was like... It actually wouldn't... I don't think it would have let you because it was US only. Oh, it's US only. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was big. It was, uh, it, it was popular. Uh, very popular. There were tens of thousands of people trying to buy these things at once. Yeah. Here's what's surprising to me is you told me about this and that's fine. I was like, oh, that sounds hilarious. I know that these promotions are very popular that, you know, but I was surprised by, you know, I'm in about 20 Slack groups and I think at least 15 were talking about this (laughs) and then... On Twitter, it was just like everyone is. It, it, it's just the kind of thing that you have to share. Yeah, like if, I mean, you, I, if yeah. you discovered it, you were you'd be like, I I have no choice. I have to share this. I and, told my wife, and she was really angry that I hadn't told her earlier. And that is what they want. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. People were talking about it at the coffee shop <laughs> up here in Canada. <laughs> that's amazing yeah so, i mean it, yeah it, i i didn't even pay attention to that stuff because i was just trying to make sure everything was working your your computer was on fire you were just which yeah, you're you know, just trying to extinguish some flames <laughs> yeah uh, but, uh, but yeah but that is so interesting to me that a company can harness a hype cycle like that right and normally hype cycles are quite um I don't know. I want to say unstable. You know, dangerous almost. Like they're they, they're difficult to harness, especially in a repeatable way. Like a lot of folks would say, Reddit is not a repeatable, you know, marketing strategy. But right. you know, on Black Friday, who was top of Reddit? Cards Against Humanity again yeah, every year. I mean, they just yeah, they do a great job. And I'm not really involved in any of the planning of what the event is really. Um, but somehow they they come up with something every year that's just like ridiculous enough mm-hmm. that it it really reaches a lot of people. This reminds me of my friend Garner. Uh, I'm going to post this in our Slack. He started a bake shop in Edmonton called Duchess, and every year he makes a gingerbread uh, house from scratch. And this is what he made this year. I'll, I hear this. It's here in the uh, in the Slack. Holy crap! This is Hogwarts Castle. If you actually click through, you can you can scan through the photos. This thing is insane. God. The level of detail, and um, that's him and his wife at the end there. Uh, I'll put this in the show notes for sure, folks. It's uh, Holy the show. Holy crap! Show notes are at sass.transistor.fm slash 37. And yeah, just go down to the bottom and 
look at, I'll put Duchess uh, Hogwarts. And this was also top of Reddit. So in, in the Harry Potter subreddit, this had 40,000 yeah. upvotes. <laughs> <laughs> and he does this every year. They auction it off for charity, and whoever buys it gets to destroy it. Like they I don't even, feel bad destroying it. <laughs> I know. You, they don't even let you take it home. So there's something about this. I don't know if everybody yeah. can harness it, but maybe the, the key is that every year there's a routine to it. You, you are committing to do something exceptional. There's probably a lot of pressure there. Like, okay, we got to do something exceptional. Right, now. right. I think, you know, some, I think sometimes they sort of decide to do it or not based on if they have a good, I mean, if they don't have a good idea, they're just not going to do it. That's nice. Yeah, you don't have to put the pressure all, yeah, too much pressure. But but the amazing thing is, is like every year they do these things and every year people are like, this isn't real. This is fake. <laughs> like they're clearly not going to send this stuff to people. And then there's all these replies elsewhere that are like, no, they will because they've done it before. And like they're definitely true to their word. And it's like people just don't, <laughs> they just don't think it's real because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm Googling this right now. And like everybody wrote about it, the Verge. Yep. Everybody. Well, yeah, they, yeah, they have. Um, they send out press releases too. So yeah, it's like a, it's a very coordinated, well planned thing. I mean, yeah, they do a good job of that of that. Anyway, that's really cool. I can see how that would be a lot of work keeping that. It, yeah. <laughs> keeping that going. Every um, year, it's like this is the year I'm not going to have to do much, and it, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Uh, that that's a good point, folks. Behind every really cool, sexy marketing stunt, there's a John just sitting there <laughs> trying to keep the servers up, yelling at the computer. <laughs> um, okay, we're we're gonna get into some more listener questions today, but before we do, we have a couple of sponsors. Now, last week I told you about PodcastInsights.com. If you want to get into podcasting, check out this site podcastinsights.com. They've got great resources for anyone who wants to start and grow a podcast. This is a question we get all the time. What equipment should I start with? How do I make money? Remember all those things in chat we're getting where people are like, how do I monetize this? They have all of these really well-written guides on those topics. So yeah, go to podcastinsights.com, join millions of readers learning all about how to start, grow, and monetize a podcast, and tell them that Justin and John sent you. Now, our second sponsor is Alitu.com, and this is another piece that a lot of folks have a hard time with when they're getting started, and that is producing the content, the actual recording, editing, putting music in, making it sound good. Well, this is what Alitu.com does. That's A-L-I-T-U.com. I hope I'm saying it right. This, I, I might have some Canadian pronunciation yeah, on this. It's Alitu, yeah. Alitu, yeah. okay. So uh, the one thing I'll say is go to their website and there's a video there, a video demo that shows how you can basically record your podcast as if it was live and then completely automate the production of a podcast. It's really, really cool. So if you're looking to save time in your, like if your podcast is taking you too long to produce, alitu.com might be the answer. 
Awesome. What do we have? uh, We have any announcements uh, this time? Yes. Uh, Barometrics.com slash open. We are now an open startup. And what that means, I'm not sure if we're going to do this forever. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, we are sharing all of our revenue metrics. So uh, you can go to barometrics.com slash open and transistors there. You can see our monthly recurring revenue. You can see net revenue. You can see how much we're paying in fees. There's yeah. actually a lot of things in here I didn't even know myself. <laughs> <laughs> Our annual run rate, uh, lifetime yeah. value, like so many things. And um, we talked about doing this a long time ago. Basically, we said, you know, once we get going, this is something we would be interested in trying. And the, you know, I think the advantage for us right now is. There's, we've benefited from other folks who have shared their knowledge when they started their companies. And we want to kind of pay some of that back or pay some of that forward. And so no promises. We're not saying we're going to do this forever. But for now, I think it could be really interesting for folks to check out. And there's tons of other open startups there too. Yeah, it's a great company. All right. Let's get to some listener questions. Uh, John, last week I answered Vinit's question about startup equity. I was wondering how uh, you both split equity in Transistor FM. You both bring so much different things, like your network, your skills. um, But at the same time, Transistor had already a bunch uh, built and had an amazing first first customer. I'm curious uh, to hear how you guys got into the details of the decision, uh, negotiated uh, to a place that you're both happy love to hear how you guys uh, thought about it and uh, what decisions you made. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I wish there was a complicated answer. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there is. I mean, it, like I said, I think back in some earlier shows, I had sort of had the intention of doing this on my own, you know, built it to a point where uh, the Good News podcast could launch um, early in the year. And it was very much sort of a beta or an alpha even. It worked you know, enough for them, but it wasn't really ready to open up um, and share with the world. And Justin contacted me uh, soon after the new year and, you know, asked if I had thought at all about, you know, having a co-founder. He was, he was looking to sort of spend his energy on something new uh, for the year and really, really put his energy into something. And initially I think I was just like, I don't really want to, uh, nothing against Justin, but I really just want this thing to be my own. And then the more and more I thought about it, uh, it's very like, very much like complimentary skills to mine where, you know, I don't, I don't have marketing skills. I don't have the network that Justin has. And so in that respect, like I just thought about it more and it made sense to, to work on this thing together. Uh, as far as how we came up with our split, which is just 50, 50, I mean, I think it was just, that was just the easiest way to do it. Like (laughs) really, I mean, you know, it wasn't, even though I had a bunch of work done, like Justin brings a lot to the table that like he's already done and that he, you know, he knows how to market this thing. He knows how to kick this thing off uh, from the get go. So it just kind of made sense to 
just say, all right, let's, you know, this thing is still early. Let's do a 50, 50 and see what happens. And let's not argue about this one piece for too long and just see what we can do. I think it's a very personal decision for me, at least. I just never wanted to feel like, okay, I've joined this thing, but John only gave me 10%. Right. And, you know, what does that mean in terms of my effort? I want to be giving this everything I have to make sure it succeeds. I, I never wanted to feel like I was holding anything back. When we decided to do 50-50, I was like, okay, this, is, this is, feels like a good fit because now I feel like I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I can see, at least for me, if I felt like, oh, I'm not getting the same share, but I'm, you know, every time I'm answering support, I would be like, oh, God, like, you know, right eh, here and I how am. Do you, yeah. And how do you measure, you know, if, if it was like a, a 60, 40 or 70, 30, like, how do you, how do you measure 30% effort mm-hmm. versus 70? Like, tra- now we got to track time. And it's just like, let's yeah. just put as much work as we can to this thing. And yeah, there's actually a really interesting clip from the season of startup where dating ring, it's a following a startup called dating ring. And the, the two co-founders are talking about how much equity they got. Lauren had used a bunch of online tools to arrive at the equity numbers for each of the three partners, over 50% for Lauren, a bit under 40% for Dating Ring's technical co-founder, Katie, who has since left the company, and a bit under 10% for Emma. At the time, Emma was coming to this equity discussion with very little bargaining power. But now, after two years in the business and countless late nights and weekends working, that initial split was feeling less and less fair. Mm-hmm. In their case, it was one of the things that poisoned the well. Just as they kept going, it was this thing that festered and festered and festered with the co-founder that had not gotten very much equity. I'm not sure if it's the, ultimately the reason they, you know, kind of broke apart, but it could have. It, you can see how yeah. something like that could fester. Yeah, there's probably some resentment. On one side, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. So, again, it's... And honestly, I talked to two or three people when John and I were making that decision. Uh, I think you should talk to people you trust. I think you should, you know, think about what you want. If the only thing that's going to motivate you is an equal share, then that's what you have to ask for. Or you have to go start your own company and... Then you get to decide there too, right? Yep. Uh, we have another question from Gavin. Hi, this is Gavin Pickin. I have a short question for John this time. So as the technical guy here, you're building all the cool features inside of Transistor FM. I want to start a podcast up for uh, my company. I want to set it up and start it running, and I'd like to put it under my account to get started with and add some of my own podcasts. And if I convince them it's worth continuing and, and moving on, obviously we'll want to transition over to their account. So is that a feature you've built yet? You envision building? Is it hard to move an account? I'm hoping that that won't be a problem later on and won't mess up anything as far as internal linking or maybe the way you've got stuff set up for storing files and buckets according to accounts. So is that something you guys have accounted for? Uh, something easy enough to do? Um, it's a good question. Uh, we actually have a story for this in Pivotal because I kind of felt like this would eventually be a be an issue and people would request this. Short answer is no, you can't do it yet. 
but it is possible like behind the scenes i can certainly go in and, and move things around in the database and hook up a different stripe account things like that but there's, there's no there's no automatic way to do it mm-hmm. um but as far as the tech stack goes there's really not much that can go wrong i mean his question was kind of like you know what do you do about media assets and how are those stored in a bucket and are those is that bucket siloed by different accounts or is it in a different way? And it's actually like per show. So, you know, in the database, all you have to do is like associate that show with a different user and then hook up that user's Stripe account, have them sign up on Stripe for a transistor subscription and then move the, just move the show over and associate with a different user. Yeah. All we're really doing really. is, is, is creating a, uh, like a new relationship with the billing yeah. system, right? Like that's right, exactly that's yeah. it. Yeah. So as far as like you know, have we thought about it? Yeah, we've we've certainly thought about it. And you know, I th- I think there's a pretty good way to do that, where it's basically like I want to move this thing over to someone else. Basically, like type in an email address, send them an email. They have an account, they can accept it, and just like it moves it over. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have an account, it's just like all right, sign up for an account, and when you finish your sign up, it just it just moves you know the show over to their account. Yeah. Behind the scenes. You know, it changes changes the relationship. Gavin's question actually brings up something in my mind that I'm just going to process out loud right now. Um, <laughs> this idea, we have this, we have, so we have a starter plan that allows you to have unlimited shows up to 5,000 downloads per month. And we've thought, you know, we're going to probably do something, something with the higher tiers at some point. We're going to be adding some pro features. Um, they definitely we have some folks on the higher tiers, and it definitely lends itself more to company accounts. But this idea of these small accounts, because part of what Gavin was saying is, you know, I might want to test this out for some somebody. So right. the ability for them to, you know, create a show under my account and test this out, but then if it gets rolling, for it to be able to kind of go off and be in its own account. Initially, I was looking at that kind of like a threat, like, oh, man, we can't have people just like housing other people's shows underneath their account. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking that's kind of that could be kind of almost a, a acquisition strategy where we go, sure, if you're within your, you know, the download limits, start as many shows with friends as you'd like. Yeah. Uh, start yeah. a show for your employer, start a show for your school, start a show for anything. And if it takes off, then you just say, yeah, we can easily get you your own account um, over here and move the show over there. Now, don't do this right now, folks, because we don't have <laughs> the, tech, the technology yeah. to do it yet. But that, that's an interesting idea, that entry-level tier which is great for, you know, solopreneurs, it's great for personal brands, but it might be great for hackers and people that are just like experimenting creatives and, you know, they want to help people start a show and then kind of almost like uh, get it to the seedling stage and then, okay, we're going to go plant that somewhere else. Exactly. So yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll roll that feature out at some point soon. Mm -hmm. Well, soonish. Yeah, next we're not year, next year. We're not promising anything, but <clears throat> I've promised I things that, before. <laughs> that is actually I I, I want to briefly address that. I think um, one thing we're realizing, and this is common knowledge in software, but you have to be very careful about what you say you're going to 
complete. Yeah. And it's because no matter how big your team is, no matter how fast you move, no ma- it doesn't matter. Priorities change. And it, we, it, I think that's something we're going to be more careful about is that, you know, when people ask if we have this feature, what I'm trying to say is it's something we've thought about, but I can't give you any sort of timelines. So yeah. if you don't want yeah. to sign up for the features we have right now, you probably shouldn't sign up because we just can't promise features in the future that we never know what's going to happen. You know, yeah, I like, mean, most most of the feature, most of the uh, you know suggestions we have are great, and it'd be mm-hmm. awesome if we could build them all next month. But that's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 just even being honest that you know, like we're working on this HTTPS thing, and it's. It's getting there, but there were some complications. You know, some things that we thought would work out didn't work out. Right. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. It just sort of my my plan changed a bit. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like the actual solution I was going to use changed, but yeah. And, and so, then you know it, we talked about it earlier today, where you know it's just like it's hard to find a large block of time to work on these big features. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been kind of a struggle. So. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a uh, here's another little bit of transparency. <laughs> Hopefully, John's okay with this. But uh, we have a cool feature, which is a Spotify integration. You can submit your show to Spotify through our app. The challenge is whenever for some whenever someone imports a show from another provider to us, we have to manually contact Spotify. And say, you know, this show used to be with this host over here. Could you please switch that over to this new RSS feed? We have to send an email every single time. Yeah. And that's not even the most... There's other complicated things about that specific integration right there. But, you know, our integration with YouTube is also... Um, the, the, it just... I, I guess part of what I'm saying is... Once you start building software, you realize how careful you have to be about what you build, what you integrate with, and yeah. and because you don't see all of the costs up front. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I mean, when you start building, you only know as much as you know at that point, and all these things either are not documented or they just show up, or you know, mm-hmm. things in terms of Spotify, things change, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you you can't know everything. I can't, you can't know anything, but everything. But it feels like I'm going to be a lot more wary, you mm. know. Like it, initially, I was like, "We got to have Spotify. That's the best thing." Right. But yeah. you know, it, in retrospect, I mean, hopefully they they fix some of their stuff. But it, you know, yeah, there's I just, hope they automate some stuff. There's so much manual emailing right now, and right, and and the fact that they like opened up this portal for podcasters to submit their own show which mm-hmm. honestly if that had existed before we probably wouldn't have done it no <laughs> i mean it's just like <laughs> yeah. really frustrating yeah and there's no easy way to move a show from our integration with spotify to uh to, you know someone's personal account but yeah. you just can't just do it you got to email and i it's yeah we're learning and and really you don't know about any of this stuff until you do it this is, I was talking to another founder today, very an experienced founder, and he was saying, 
Justin, you and John are doing great because you're first-time founders. And part of me was like, wait a second, now I've done other things. I've, I've worked in SaaS since 2008. I've yeah. owned my own companies. But the truth is, until it doesn't even matter how high you are on the org chart, until you're wearing the captain's cap, it, you don't know what it's going to be like. And mm-hmm. I think we're really seeing that now. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into the next question from Jason Rez. Uh, Jason was one of our early customers. Big shout out to him. Go listen to his show. He's got the Ask Rez with, I think, three Zs. Um, or do you say Zed? What do you guys say? Uh, Z. Yeah. You guys say Z. Okay. Yeah. Three Zs. He wants to know how you build awareness for a podcast. First of all, awesome platform. I love Transistor. Makes my life so much easier. But the question that I have for you guys is, and I'd love to hear both of your opinions on this, is what would you consider is the number one way to increase awareness for a podcast? All right. Thanks, guys. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. I've changed my tune a little bit. And this is after seeing many, many podcasts And this is after seeing, uh, talking to folks like Dan Meisner at Pacific Content. I think podcasting is very useful for established brands or people with established audiences that want to build trust with their existing audience and organically grow that audience. So um, Conan O'Brien just released a new show. Our friends over at Earwolf are involved with that. Uh, I see Bill, our friend Bill Irwin, is, was tweeting about it. My guess is that show's doing pretty good on the charts. I haven't looked lately, but uh, we could check right now and see, you know, where, where is Conan Needs a Friend? <laughs> and actually, we should use Chartable for this, chartable.com. Those are some of our friends as well. Oh, yeah, Conan Needs a Friend is number three <laughs> right now. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's Conan O'Brien. It's Conan O'Brien. Now, I, I want to even say, like, the audio quality on that show is surprisingly kind of echoey. I don't know what's going on with their studio. Despite the audio quality issues, whatever, it's Conan O'Brien. And he's interviewing Will Ferrell. He's interviewing, you know, popular people. So podcasting is really good. Now, you don't have to be Conan level. But it really works if you have an existing audience. And that could be 100 email subscribers. That could be, you know, 500 regular visits to your blog. That could be 1,000 Twitter followers. That could be, you know, like Taylor Jackson. That could be 180,000 YouTube subscribers. Mm -hmm. But I think for podcasting to work, you really need an existing audience. Yeah, so you're saying podcasting should not be the entry point to no. building up. <laughs> no, you want an existing audience. Now, what Dan Meisner would say in terms of building awareness is he, he would say, look at what channels you already have to your audience. So, you know, if you have an auto mechanic show and you're a moderator on the, you know, biggest auto mechanic forums online or you have you know a facebook group with thousands of people in it well that should be 
a place where you share your show. Famously, uh, Dan uh, recommended to Mozilla that they start promoting their podcasts on the inside the Firefox browser. <laughs> you know, like when you open up yeah. Firefox, there's right. that that Mozilla homepage. That's a great pl- if you've got a podcast to share. That's a great place to put it. Yeah. And you know, they listened and podcast listenership went up. Yeah. So nice. I realize some people are not going to like this answer, <laughs> um, but I, I really think podcasting works best when you have an existing audience. Now, that being said, there are ways of, for example, um, there's a few shows that I think do really well because of the keywords they have in the title. Uh, there's a show, I think the folks who run it are quite young. Um, it's called, it's really popular on Spotify. It's called Teenager Therapy. And, you know, I think they're getting a lot of listeners from the keyword teenager and therapy. Hmm. Like if you're searching those things, that's what you're going to find. Now, right. I could be wrong. Maybe they had an existing audience, but that's, you know, I could see, you know, if, if you did want to increase listenership, one way to do it is if people are looking for specific topics in the iTunes directory or in Spotify, you want to, just like you would do on a search engine on the web, you want to hit those keywords. So, yeah, I think uh, those are a few things. We've got lots of other tips, actually. If you go to transistor.fm slash blog, I have lots of other ideas on how you can grow your audience uh, grow the awareness for your podcast. Uh, yeah, and this is why I wanted to work with you because, uh, like I said, my marketing strategy would have been put out a tweet and then call it a day. <laughs> the, the infamous one tweet strategy. Single, hey, got a thing. Check it out. It's it's so bold. <laughs> minimalism. Minimalism. Marketingminimalism.com. That's John's, that's John's website. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, but that's a great question. If other people have ideas on that, um, we're all ears. But I have been thinking about that thing. I think podcasting is really, really great for existing audiences. Um, oh, the only other thing I'll say is if you have friends who are in your niche or in your sphere, you see this all the time with YouTube stars, with podcasters. They go on each other's shows. Yeah. And Cross, uh, yeah. Cross pollination, cross promotion, cross promotion. Um, so do that. Uh, if you if you know other people, if you're building relationships with other folks, that's that's a you know another technique as well. Uh, the the final one would be don't be boring. <laughs> right. Uh, there's <laughs> a. I, I think I retweeted this uh, hardcore history. Uh, Dan Carlin said because Dan Carlin does these two to three hour epic long podcasts and he says as long as it is entertaining people will listen it's it, if your podcast is boring it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or three hours long people won't listen so <laughs> this is also bad like thanks a lot for the advice justin <laughs> you know <laughs> don't, don't be boring that that's one way it is entertainment and so if you want more, if you want to get more listeners, you want to make sure 
that folks are, you know, when they listen, when you do, you know, somehow get them to listen to that first episode, make it entertaining, make it engaging. All right. Did we have one more? Uh, we do, yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay, what's what's the last one? Let's do another quick one here. So, uh, is this... I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ramini's? Ramini's? Ramini's Ribeiro? This is a Twitter question. I believe you actually answered it on Twitter, but we can do it here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started off and says, introverts don't use voicemail. <laughs> Which I suppose yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if a lot of people use voicemail anymore. <laughs> That's true. Um, what what uh, SASs? What software services do you guys use to build and run Transistor.fm? Uh, that's a good question. There's a long list of them. Um, I guess I'll just run through them. Yeah. Okay, so we use Stripe obviously for credit card processing and subscription billing. We use Zoho for our email. Uh, mainly because it is free and it offers a uh, domain. Well, we use the, we have a free account and we use custom domains on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kayako for our support um, chat and like our knowledge base. Yep. Uh, Pivotal for our kind of like task management um, for the app itself, feature management. Um, we use Dropbox to, you know, plan our shows that we record. Um, our documents and you know share files with our editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use Slack, obviously, just to you know keep in touch, talk all day. Uh, GitHub for our code repository. Um, DigitalOcean we use a little bit for part of our CDN for um, hosting our media files. And by by the way, DigitalOcean is one of the few we actually pay for right yeah. now. Yeah. It's our dirty little secret. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I suppose GitHub would pay a little bit, but it's just a personal account. It's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, wave, wave wave apps, which I wasn't really familiar with until you mentioned it, is for it does accounting. We can hook it up to our bank account and track expenditures and uh, money coming in. I think we'll have to pay for that eventually to do a bunch of um you know, like pay, paying ourselves and, and yeah, stuff payroll like that. and all that. Yeah. Uh, flywheel we paid for, I guess yep. once like a yearly for WordPress for our main, uh, transistor website, the marketing website. Uh, we use Sentry.io for, um, error notification and logging for our rails application. And, uh, we use Amazon web services to host the whole thing. Sweet. Yeah. Do we, do we pay for Circle CI? Oh no, yeah, we use that too. No, that's they have a they have, all these places have really good free accounts. No, Circle CI does uh, automated uh, testing, uh, runs all of our tests, and sweet tells us we don't really need it. I suppose the team is small, but it's good to set that up early. Yeah, just get in the habit. Yeah. So there you go. Those are the SaaSes we use. I one thing I would say also is the the startup. Like really small startups, like one person or two person teams, not a great market <laughs> for um, you know your software as a service, especially yeah. if they're starting out. Um, the entry level prices for all these are pretty high. Yeah, so and like they, if we paid for all these, we'd be broke. Mm-hmm. Like if we actually 
spot in the plan. You know, so you like make kind of like make do with what the starter plans offer. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll upgrade a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is a good strategy, you know, for them. You you get the, the freemium strategy. You get started and. Yeah. We're probably good customers. I don't think we, you know, have too many support questions yep. for a free account. Exactly. Yeah. But I think there there's a lesson in there in that, you, you know, sometimes folks go after startups and startup can mean different things. I mean, if a startup has a lot of funding or a startup is actually a business that's been around for five, 10 years, those might be good customers. But folks like John and I that are just yeah. like running lean here, um, we're, we will probably not be spending a lot of money on software for a while. And um, honestly, like the the customers we're going after for Transistor, uh, we're looking for folks like established brands. I mean, they might be an established brand of one, like Mike Vardy. You know, he's been doing this for, I don't know, years and years. Um, But, you know, he has uh, an established business that can pay for things. That startup that's just getting going, that is, uh, yeah just not as good of a customer. So yeah. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, transistor.fm slash voicemail, I'll, I'll, I'll clear out our queue and we will rebuild it up again and maybe do another one of these in the future. Yeah. Thanks again to all of our uh, Patreon supporters. We have Colin Gray, who's new. He's actually the uh, founder of alitu.com that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samori Augusto. Mike Walker, uh, Brad from Canada. I like how it's we have Brad in parentheses from Canada. I don't know. <laughs> he didn't put his last name, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brad from Canada. <laughs> uh, Darby Frey, uh, who I know in Chicago. Thanks, Darby. Uh, Kevin Markham, Adam Devander, uh, Dave Junta. Junta. Friend of mine. Thanks, Dave. Uh, and then podcastinsights.com. Yes. Thanks again, folks. We really are appreciative that you listen to the show and we will be back next week yeah. with a brand new episode. See you then. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm Justin and get 15% off your first year.